Better in debt. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Are you ready for the word? Amen. If you're ready for the word, stand to your feet. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This little light of mine. Hallelujah. Let it shine. Right now, I don't have to introduce. Amen. Present. Because we know who he is. We know that he's going to bring it. Amen. And, but we ask the Lord to bless this message and bless our pastor this morning. And we ask the Lord to open up our mind and our ears. Let us be able to receive this word. Let us receive our bread this morning in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right now, let's put your hand together for our pastor, Jerry C. Wright. Amen. And he girded him with the artistic band of the ephod, which he tied it to him. He then placed the breastplate on him, and in the breastplate he put the urim and the thummim. He also placed the uh, turban on his head, and on the turban at its front he placed the golden plate, the holy crown just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses then took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all of its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Next, Moses had Aaron's sons come near and clothed them with tunics and girded them with sashes and bound caps on them, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Amen. You may be seated. If you um, have ever tried to read Leviticus, I hope you tried to read it early in the morning, just, just right when you woke up so you won't fall asleep. It's that technical. It's that technical. Amen. But it's so, so important. It is so important. Amen. Just by way of introduction, uh, I have two granddaughters and one on the way. It, it's Jalen's, right? Kayla and Kelly. Okay, Jalen. Uh, <laughs> yes, Jalen has a third one on the way. Amen. He has a third one on the way. Amen. <laughs> Jalen has a third one on the way. Amen. Amen. But I have two here now, and, and they're old enough now to show their temperament and personalities, right? And, and they're, they're, they're both sweethearts, but both are subject to, like, meltdowns and, uh, and attitudes. Cadence and uh, Carrington are their... Uh, legal names. 
but I, I've got two, two sets of uh, nicknames for them. When they're sweet and precious, and it's like a fairy tale, I call them Sugarloaf and Sweet Pea. But when those dark moments come and you see those attitudes, I call them Gina and Pam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Carrie is, her attitude and her, her temperament and personality is, she, she's an attention getter. Uh, she's very social and uh, engaging, but but Cadence has a trait that I want to just talk about today because it kind of hones in the, on, on the subject. Cadence, you'll frequently hear her say, and if I have it right, she'll say this, I do my own. I do my own. Now, you have to understand that three and two, that three and two, what is it? I, I do it by my own. I do it by my own. Three and two, and she's two. And she'll tell you, she'll bark at you. I do by my own. <laughs> I, I, if you make the mistake of, of carrying her down a flight of stairs, thinking that you're just helping her little legs, you know, and, and just for her to rest her little legs, and, she, and you take her down, she will fight you all the way down. And then she'll say to you, I do by my own. And she'll literally go up those stairs. And she'll just come on her way down, I do by my own. Right? If you see her struggling with a coat, right, and she's trying to put it on, you know, the winter coat and the hood is down here. And she doesn't understand that she's got it all twisted up. And, and you see her struggling, and you come over and say, oh, let me help you, precious. She said, I do by my own. Right? And she loves to do by her own. Do by her own. That's what I want to concentrate on today. Because the subject of the day, if I had to title this message, is follow his cue. Follow his cue. It's funny because a lot of us are like spiritually cadenced. <laughs> we got a lot of spiritual cadences here. And we often have this thing, even though we don't verbally say it, We'll sometimes act it out. I do by my own. I do by my own. The Sunday school quarter, I wrote a few notes down. It says that the Sunday school quarter of fall is focusing and it has a theme, and the theme is faith on trial. But the first four set of lessons they have a theme of their own, and, and the writers said it's learning God's holiness. Learning God's holiness. The opening line of the introduction for today's lesson, the opening line, opening line says this, and it delivers a punch to me. It says this, 
one of the most overlooked characteristics of God in the modern biblical and theological teaching is his holiness. Did y'all hear that? And I need to say it again. One of the most overlooked characteristics of God in modern biblical and theological teaching is his holiness. Is his holiness. A working definition of holiness is the characteristic of God that sets him apart from creation separating him from sin and includes, it also includes his commitment to seeking his and protecting his honor. You hear that? Apart from creation. Separates him apart from creation. And it also makes sure that he is, he is protecting his honor. It's protecting his honor. Psalms 50 says this, Psalms 50, verses 18 through 21. Interesting, interesting scripture. It says this, when you see a thief, you are pleased with him, (laughs) and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silence. Listen to this. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. God said you thought that I was just like you. Just because I show mercy and grace, you thought that I was just like you. And and this is the point that Boyce kind of pounces on, because to paraphrase him, he says that we misconstrue God's characteristic of holiness and think that it can be graded. We think that it can be graded. And and, in other words, we, in our minds, we think we have a scale, right, of, of goodness, We think we have a scale of goodness, and and, and it'll go something like this probably in our minds. On the lowest, like, scum level is those that harm babies, and then then we'll go a little higher and say, then it's those that, like, just cheat or something like that and then then those that that steal and then those that drive really fast and then after that there's me and then there's God (laughs) You, you see how we got this scale we have this scale we have this scale but see all you are doing you're doing like Paul said not to do in 2 Corinthians, the second, uh, the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verse 12. 
you're doing the exact thing that Paul said not to do. He says this, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when you measure, when they rather measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. You see what folks are doing nowadays? They're busy comparing themselves among themselves and their eyes never lift up. Their eyes never lift up, right? And and then some have even gone to the point of thinking that God is like on their side, on their level, as if God is on their level, as if we're in the same league, right? We, we call him like the man upstairs, right? And we treat him not like our father who art in heaven, but our butler who are in heaven, Right? because we ask him for everything as if he's our butler who are in heaven. And then when we say our butler who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Huh? Hallowed be thy name. No, no, it's, it's our father who are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, right? See, God is holy other. He's not in our league. We're not in his league. He is separate from us. And and, and the deep thing is, is that I'm quite sure we we experience the same thing. And and, and I can say the elders probably experience this each week. The more you know about him, the more you dig into his word, and I'm quite sure those who, who, who read his word and are in his word and they're just feasting in his word, the, this, is my, this, been, this has been my experience. The more I know about him, the more messed up I realized I am. You t- talk, about, <laughs> talk about self-esteem. It's no self-esteem. It's like I'd rather lose self and be in him. I'd rather lose self and just be in him. Because the more you know about him, the more I know about him. Each week, I'm, I'm being like hit upside the head. Every time I'm like preparing messages and just studying, I'm hit upside the head. And I'm just like, ouch. Man, I want to be more like him. And I see how far away I really am from him. And I just want to draw closer. And that's, that's, that's where you can understand exactly where you are. Because if it makes you want to draw closer, then you're on the right track. But then there are some that don't even want to come close at all, and they want to keep him veiled. They want to keep him behind the veil. They don't want to see that because it makes them see who they really 
who they really are, right? They, they make them see, it just makes them see who they really are. And, 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 and I was reading, too, uh, something that Sproul said this week. And he says, when Isaiah saw God and understood a bit more who he was or who he is, it made him understand himself, too. And when he understood himself a bit more and understood how God is holy, high and lifted up, the thing is, is he said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of uncleaned lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The Bible has a pattern, and the pattern is like this. You notice that the more righteous a person is, <laughs> the more that person becomes undone in the presence of God. Isn't that interesting? Isaiah was a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity, but when he came before God, he disintegrated. He came apart, and he just said, woe is me. The problem with the church, or one of the problems, one of the issues with the church today is that they don't see God in his right place. They don't see God as high and lifted up and holy, they want to try to bring him down to the friendship level. They want to get songs that say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Nothing wrong with that. Abraham was a friend of God. But when you go on that friend tip too long, then all of a sudden he gets too familiar and you don't see him as high and lifted up. Church, today we need to see God as being holy, holy, holy. The seraphims, they, they flew around, right? And they had six wings, and they just flew around. And imagine what they saw. They saw on a daily basis God's glory, and all they could say is holy, holy, holy. This is a God that is beyond our understanding. A God that is beyond our understanding. And if you can't get there, then it hinders your relationship. You need to see him as who he is. He's holy. So you wonder why sometimes you say, man, Lord, I'm trying and I'm, and I'm trying. And then all of a sudden you read his word and it feels like he's beating you up even more. Good. Good good. It makes you want to repent, and it makes you feel like, man, you know, why, why am I reading this? Because it makes me want to just, like, repent. I mean, I'm filthy. I'm, I'm like, filthy. Good. You're on the right path. Good. That's good stuff. Because if you can read it, and then you say, you know, okay, this sin, this sin, that ain't me. That sin, that, okay, that's not me. This sin, that sin, no, that's her. No, that sin, no, that's him. 
Nah, this sin, that's it. No, man, ain't nothing in here that pertains to me. I'm good. <laughs> if you're there, the church needs to pray for you, right? But if you can see yourself and understand that, you know, the scale is not down here among us, right? The scale is here. And when you see him as high and lifted up and you put him in his right place, you are going to just cry out, holy, holy, holy. I'm reminded of a hymn and it just says, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. Early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. We need to see him as holy. And, and this, this, this quarter, this, these four lessons, that's what we're, we, we're going to do. And, and let me let you know that holiness is not exciting if you're not in the right place. No, no, holiness is, is rather like boring and tedious like Leviticus. You got, to, you got to work to get there. You got to work on your relationship with him. You got to dig in his word. And then when you dig in his word and then you taste it and see that it is good, and then you're going to want more and more and more and more, and it just whets your appetite. And you just dig in his word and you get it to it day after day after day. And then all of a sudden you can appreciate his holiness. His holiness. So, so these Sunday school lessons are great because we need to understand who we serve a bit better. Amen? We need to understand that we serve a holy, holy God. And once again, that definition is, the, is, is holiness is this characteristic of God that sets him apart from creation separating him from sin, and it also includes his commitment to seek and protect his honor. He's going to seek and protect his honor, right? I'm reminded of 1 John, the first chapter and, and verse 5, right, where it says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That light is referring to his holiness. And, and, you, and, and, and one scripture said, you know, he, he casts no shadow. There, there's no darkness in him. He, he, he's without a shadow. We, you know, we cast shadows, but he is without a shadow. There is no darkness in him. He is holy, pure light, holy, revealing himself to those who want to see. He's holy, right? And this Sunday school lesson basically says that in his holiness, there, there is a, a standard there that we need to follow. We need to follow his cue. We can't determine holiness on our own definition. See, we can't be like spiritual cadences here where we're like, I do on my own. 
We can't, we can't do that with him. He says, I have a standard. I am the determiner. I am the one that sets the parameters and the, the, I define what pleases me. I define what pleases me. And, and I want you to follow it in detail. And, and this example for today's lesson, it, it shows you how Moses followed his command in detail, right? And, 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 and he basically said this on today, in today's lesson. It shows that he, he calls you, he cleans you, he cleans you, he clothes you, and then he consecrates you. That's what the lesson points out today. He calls, he cleans, he cleans, and he clothes you, and then he consecrates you. In other words, he gives you instructions. He talks to you. He calls you. Then he prepares you for the task. That means that he, clean, he cleans you up, right, in preparation. And then he equips you, right? That's, that's clothe you. He, he, he clothes you. He gives you the equipment you need for the task. And then he consecrates you, anoints you, meaning he gives you the power to execute the task. Amen. So, so verses one through four, we basically see how God calls you, instructs you. And God called Moses to be the mediator here at this time to establish the priesthood. And, he had, and, and Moses were to, was to identify the people, so Aaron and his sons, but then he was also to call the congregation. He's going to call them all together. And Moses followed God's commands to the letter, to the letter, right? He followed God's commands to the letter. And, and, and one writer said this, that in chapter 8 of Leviticus, out of all the times that the word command is mentioned in the book of Leviticus, 20% of that word can be found in chapter eight. All you see through chapter eight is command, 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 command. And Moses followed God's command. And that's what Moses did. He was faithful to follow God's man. And, and, and it's a point to us because see, obedience is necessary. Obedience is important, right? God is more likely to judge someone who is disobedient rather than use them. We, we need to follow his directions. We need to follow his command. You know what's interesting to me is that, is that folks have, got, have, have they fooled themselves into this pattern. They say, you know, I'm looking for a word from the Lord. You know, I'm just waiting for that specific word from God. I just need that word. I need that extra word from God, you know, to tell me what to do and tell me where to go. I need that extra word. Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening. But what's so interesting is that all the stuff he said already, you're not even doing. 
you're not even doing. You know, you're, you're not, you know, it's like right in his word. He says, do this, that, and the other. But no, no, you need that extra word. You need that extra word. You need that, that spiritual, you know, manna from heaven right now. Lord, give it to me right now. And, and I could just hear the Lord in heaven saying, <clears throat> Bible, <clears throat> read Bible. <laughs> it's there already for you. Just read. You don't need extra. You need to read what I gave you already. Right? And, and we've, we've, we've kind of like put ourselves in this, 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 this spiritual name it, claim it type atmosphere where we just looking for the extra biblical, the extra spiritual stuff. And, and, and the truth is, is that it's so simple. Just go to his word because his word is life. His word is life. And Moses, that's what God's word was for Moses. Moses heard him and Moses said, okay, I will do. I will do. God instructed Moses to bring those articles that we read about in those four verses. And he brought all those articles just like God told him to. And he, and he did exactly what God had commanded. He also brought Aaron, as I stated, and his sons and the congregation as well. He brought the congregation. This was a public affair. This was a public affair, as the uh, expositor states. It was a public affair because the people needed to know and understand and identify who was going to represent them to God, right? They were going to, who was going to represent and stand before us, you know, in the presence of God? Oh, Aaron, Aaron Will and his son. And they had to be identified. So the, the elders came, right? And it, and it tells you that the congregation came. Well, the congregation did refer to the, the children, the nation of Israel. But you have to understand that this was a tabernacle and they were at the entrance of the tabernacle. And, and the nation of Israel was over a million people at this time. So what more than likely occurred is that a representation of the people came within that doorway. So the elders, the leaders came before that doorway to represent the whole congregation, right? And while there, what happens is, is that this process of cleansing takes place. So next, so after you hear and you hear the call and you understand the instructions and you follow them, then all of a sudden God begins to cleanse you, right? He begins to clean you. And, and verses four through nine, Aaron and his son stood there before the congregation and they had no clothes on. They were naked. And Moses washed them. Moses washed them. Yeah, and, 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 and elders, aren't you glad that that's not the process today? <laughs> right. But that's what happened is that they were washed right in front of the congregation. And Moses washed them. As the expositor said, they did not wash themselves. They did not wash themselves. Right. They had to be washed. 
And just like us today, we don't wash ourselves either, right? We don't wash ourselves either. As Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 7 says, right, we're not washed with water, but we're washed with the blood, right? The blood of the lamb. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our transgressions or trespasses, rather, according to the riches of his grace. This here was symbolic that was going on. And it relates because it was symbolic then, but it relates to what pertains to us today. Aaron represented the high priest. Our high priest is Jesus Christ. And Aaron had sons that were priests that represent us on today. We are God's priesthood on today, right? We are God's priesthood today. And, and, and they were cleansed. And as I stated, this is a cleansing that, that strips you. <laughs> and they were stripped. They were cleansed and, and stripped. And, and, and God cleansed and he strips us as well, strips us down. And, and, and guess what? This, this washing that redeems us, it only occurs once. It only occurs once. God, he cleanses us or we, he applies that blood of, of Christ to us only once. We are saved and we are secured. We are secured by that once for all sacrifice. But that doesn't mean that we don't need cleaning on a daily basis. <laughs> we may not need the salvation cleansing, but we need that sanctification cleansing on a daily basis because our minds ain't right at times, our hearts are not right at times. We say things that we shouldn't say, we do things that we not supposed to do, and then we need that cleansing on a daily basis, right? Right. Remember that scripture text that they brought out where uh, the Lord was washing feet and then Peter said, you will never, you dare, no, you will not wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you won't have part of me. Right. And, and the lesson of that whole exchange was that you don't need that 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 washing for redemption, but you do need that washing on, for that daily day grime that you go through. And that's called the process of sanctification. Sanctification. And so we go on and you hear about all of the garb that they had, the high priest, they had the, the coat. The coat was, of course, the coat that was closest to the body. It had long sleeves and it went down to the ankles, right? And that was the coat. That was the first layer. And it had a sash of its own. And then all of a sudden it was the robe of the ephod, right? The ephod had a robe and it, and at the end of it, it had bells, right? And 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 historically they they wanted you to know that the high priest was in the 
He was in the Holy of Holies and he was working on your behalf, right? While he was in the Holies and the Holies of Holies, you hear the bells ringing. And then all of a sudden, tradition says that they had a rope around the high priest's waist because all of a sudden, if they went into the Holies of Holies and they did something wrong, you didn't hear any bells for a while. Oh. We haven't heard bells for hours, <laughs> right? Let's drag him out. And, and that's what they had at the end of the robe of the ephod, right? And then it goes on to say that it was the actual ephod that looked like an apron, right? And all of this had a sash, but on the ephod itself, it said that it had two stones, onyx stones engraved with the tribes of Israel. And this was symbolic of the fact that the high priest had the nation on his shoulders, right? The nation on his shoulders, right? And then it goes on to explain that there was a breastplate, and the breastplate um, was about, I believe some folks said it was eight to 10 um, inches or so or something like that and squared and it had uh, stones, 12 stones on them and they all were engraved each with uh, a tribe of Israel, right? But also within this apron or, 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 or apron, I'll call it an apron, it was also like a pocket in there and within this pocket were these mysterious things called the Urim and the Thummim. And, and, and it's not a lot known about these. Some say they were stones and some say they were pieces of bone and some say they were like dice. And scripture just alludes to the fact that they somehow uh, were used to determine God's will. But we don't need those stones on today, do we? Right? Because what we have on today is not only God's word, but we literally have God, the Holy Spirit within us as well. Amen. Amen. And then it goes on and finishes it off and says that he had a, a turban. And on this turban, it had, you know, it had on the crown, holy the holiness of God, right, written on it like a medallion, right? And, and they said this was a beautiful thing to see when the priest was, was just all dressed up. It was, it was colors of blue and purple and, and scarlet and, and gold, and, and, and it was just a beautiful thing to see because they had to see, they, they, they wanted to, God wanted to show the beauty of his holiness, right? He wanted to show the beauty of his holiness. But what's interesting is that this, these outer garments, they marked Aaron as the high priest. And, and then those outer, outer garments that his sons had on, although they weren't as extravagant, they still had like white robes and they also had uh, turbans as well, and they were marked out as priests too. So, so how does this relate to us? Well, I, I pulled in something that I, I read 
this week. And, and, and what the writer said is that our faith, our faith is something that folks can't see. But it's something that God can see. See, what identified the high priest was the garments. But what identifies us today as high priests? If we're not going around with all of the, the gear on, like Aaron and his sons, then what identify, identifies us today as high priests? It's our works. It's our works. Our works, right? Our, our works, they are our faith in action. They are our faith in action, right? And, and that's what folks can see. If, if folks can see our works and see how we walk and talk and behave and, and then see that holiness is important to us, then we display a priesthood to this dying world. This is the message that we can bring if we faithfully represent our God. Amen? If we faithfully represent our God. And then the last part is the consecration. We kind of like put the cleaning and the clothing together, but the consecration is that last part, and that can be seen from 10 to 13, verses 10 through 13. And, and this also is symbolic. It's symbolic of empowering, right? That, that, that's what anointing means. It means empowering. And, and in fact, what's interesting, if you look at the word saint, saint means separated one. So just like all of those utensils that were sprinkled upon and, and then Aaron and his sons were anointed as well to be separate and used for God's use, right? So are we when God anoints us not with oil now, but with his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, then that is we are empowered to be to, to basically execute the task that he assigns for us to do. This is all about regeneration, regeneration. Regeneration is basically, if you remember the order of salvation that we talked about in the past, this is that part that's called regeneration. And regeneration means that God cleanses you, he cleans you, but he doesn't leave it there. He just doesn't leave you there. He also puts something in you. He puts something in you as well to equip you for the task that is ahead. He doesn't just clean you and just say, okay, you're clean and you're good. No, he also puts something in you to equip you for the task that is ahead, and he doesn't leave you there because he comes along and then he empowers you for the task as well. This is the relationship that you have with a holy God that begins when you 
understand that it's his cue that we're following and not our own. Can you see how this thing just unravels when you don't put first things first? And the first thing first is that you must obey. You must listen to what he says. And when you listen to what he says, you must follow it. You have to follow it. In closing, we serve a holy God. And like I said, this is not exciting stuff if you're not focused and on that right path of really digging, really digging to understand who he is. You got to do the work to understand who he is. It's easy to put up that veil and just say, you know, I'll just let him be, you know, the, you know, the, the man upstairs and, 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 and not really know who he is. No, go beyond the veil. Go beyond the veil, because what's interesting is that Christ, he took care of that veil. And you can go right into God's presence. And you can say, Lord, show me who you are. And he will show you who he is through his word. If you want to dig in there and do just that. But let me tell you. When you do the work of digging in his word, be mindful of the fact that it's going to expose you. Be mindful of the fact that it's going to let you see who you really are. Because if you think that you are up here somewhere and you're wonderful and great and everything, you are wonderful and great in the sense that he made you in his image but you're messed up in a lot of other places. And he wants to show you how to get back right with him. How to get back right with him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's holy, church. And we need to see him just as that. How do we get there? How do we get there to put him back where he's supposed to be in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds? The first step, of course, is to acknowledge the fact that Christ is Lord. He's Lord. He's your Savior and your Lord. There's, there's only one way to God. He determined that. And he said, there's only one way. You come through my, you come through Christ. You come through Christ. So I pray today that you will, will, will take this opportunity while you have breath in your body to accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior. As your Lord and your Savior. He's holy. We need to see him as that. We need to put him in his proper place, church. And if you do that, you'll see why he deserves all the praise, honor, and glory. Choose ye this day who you will serve. And I pray that it's Christ 
man, what will you do with Jesus? That's the eternal question. Amen. And I'm going to have Elder Lester lead us into our communion.